Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Hey guys, welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm your host, and I'm excited for you guys to be joining us again this week as we have another conversation with a missionary about the Great Commission and world missions that God has given the church to do in this day and age. And I hope you've been joining us all summer as we've been talking to different missionaries and pastors. It's been a really good second season. If you haven't listened up to this point, I encourage you to go back and listen to some other episodes and Like I said, this is the second season, so you can also go back and listen to the first season of Missionary Roundtable, where we're just being flies on the wall and and listening to some conversation by veteran missionaries and pastors who have been serving the Lord and and being a part of the Great Commission and discipleship for years and years of their life. And it's been really beneficial to me um, as the host, and, uh, and I hope to you as well. Today, I'm incredibly excited to tell you guys that we did it. We got... Mickey Kofer back. Um, Mickey was on the show in the first season and was really, I know a lot of people's, you know, one of their favorite episodes and, and mine too. Um, n- not dissing on any of the other guys we had. Mickey is just, he's just a delight to talk to and and wonderful to hear from his, his wisdom and experience. And we are excited to have him back. I think the, it was episode seven of the first season. If you guys want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't, but Mickey, thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to join us again. Thank you, brother. Me too. I'm super excited to do this. I, I know that you've been busy. Um, and so I'm excited that you, you can find a little bit of time. You just got back to Mongolia, right? So, so you spent a little bit of time in the States with COVID and everything. I think it got you stuck stateside. Is that right? You're right. Yep. Sure did. Yeah. So it's good to be back. Oh, we're, I'm sure. Hard at it. <laughs> but you married off another one of your kids, so you know life yep, is just rolling all right married. Along. Yep, all of them. Yep. How, how many kids do you have, Mickey? Four: what? Judah, Jonah, Jesse, and Jazz and I. <laughs> oh, all all Jays. There you go. Oh, yeah. you've got a Judah too. My my little son's name is Judah. That's awesome. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have some grandchildren. That's um, Geneva, Genesis, Javen, and. Um, Genesis <laughs> and Jude, they're so the, all Jays. So they're carrying on the family tradition here of yeah. the Jews. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, that is really cool. So are are your kids? I'm just curious now. Uh, and by the way, people, just so you know, I have zero agenda for this episode. It's it's more ask Mickey questions and let him tell stories. That the the name of this episode by the time we're done might just be story time with Mickey. I'm not sure. Um, but just thinking about it, so how old are your, your kids? So I think the one you said you just married off is 22. Is that right? Right. And my daughter's 25, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse, and then Jonah's, uh, 27 mm-hmm. and Judah's 29. Okay. Okay. And are they all like you and your wife too? Are they like artists and, and craftsmen and, and wilderness men? Uh, yeah, I would say they are. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I, man, that would be an interesting family to spend a day with. You guys are probably all super creative and, and, uh, oh, we're, we have fun. You, you guys we should probably that. have one of those like, uh, reality TV shows, like, like Duck Dynasty or something. <laughs> Just know. spend we a week with the Kofer family, you know? <laughs> no, we have fun. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Now, in in the last episode, last season, when I was talking to you, um, that was so good for me, man. I, I've listened to that episode again since, since I've been on the field. And um, you you gave me a little piece of advice. You probably don't even remember this, but it struck me then, and it's, it's stayed with me ever since. Um, you were telling probably towards the end of the episode, I don't know, um, about when you landed on the field and, you know, you were telling the story about going and digging a toilet. That that, that was a great story, yeah. <laughs> uh, digging the outhouse and just getting things started. And you told me uh, it was great advice. I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but basically you said something to the effect of, Kale, when you get to the field, just live life like a Christian and ministry will happen because you're a Christian. And it's such simple advice, but that was that it just struck me because when you get on the field, and, and I can speak from experience now, we arrived on the field last December, so we've been here seven or eight months now. You feel so overwhelmed because there's so much to do. There's, you know, you're, you're picturing five years in the future when you've got a ministry and a church and you, you speak the language. And, and I'm picturing all those things that God gave me a burden and a glimpse of. But you get on the field finally. You've been working for years to get to that point, deputation, and and you, it's overwhelming. You're almost – I was almost paralyzed. Like, what do I do first? And and I just remembered, right. you know, Mickey, your advice. Like, Hale, just get on the field and just live. You're a Christian. Many, ministry will start. And, man, that was huge right. for me. And, and I can attest to that being true and just living intentionally. And uh, we've been able to meet with people Obviously, we're studying the language every day, but just meet with people and build relationships with people just by praying, spending time with the Lord and asking him to bring people to us. And we, we actually got because COVID restrictions have been lifting slowly. We, we got a chance to to like go on vacation to Lake Balaton here oh, in nice. Hungary, just spend a weekend away at the lake. And and my wife made friends with a lady who could speak a little bit of English. Her son came up and was playing with Judah on the beach. And uh, they just started talking and they hung out and talked for hours. And by the time, you know, it was time to like go inside and they were leaving for the day. She like wanted to make sure to get Brooke's cell phone. Like, hey, maybe we could catch up sometime oh, when I'm God. in Budapest. And like, like just things yeah. that don't happen unless you're intentionally, you know, trying to build relationships yeah, with people. And that's so totally being a missionary. Just long story short, thank you for that advice, Mickey. That has been a huge weightlifter, you know, taking the burden off the shoulders of like just get to the field and focus on living like a Christian and then let and then let God get things started. That's right. That's right. Don't force it. Have patience and you know, um not uh being a deadbeat, of course, or, yeah, or of course not trying, just resting. I'm saying you know, don't overstress and overwork it. Just make friends, you know, find people. Yeah. People, that's what you're there for. Mm -hmm. And people who you must have in your home. Yeah, yeah. And having people in your house too, for sure. So like in our culture here, which every culture is different, of course, but in our culture, it's not like maybe the Latin America culture to where you move somewhere and everybody in your building or your area wants to have dinner at your house and meet you. It's like, they're, it's funny. They're actually a lot just like me. It's, they're not standoffish. They're just kind of like, Hey, I don't know you. So, you know, exactly. I, I, why, are, yeah. why are you trying to talk to me? So it's, you just got to gain their trust and respect. And so if you're trying to force things, they will sense your insincerity. They, they will be like, you want something from me, you know? Right. Like you have to gain right. that friendship, yeah. like on on a on a very sincere level. 
Right. And the way you went to the lake for the weekend and you met somebody, it was very natural. And that's like when we came here and we're especially having children and all their children, they're, they're making friends a lot faster than we are. And then mm -hmm. we're becoming friends with their parents. And that's what I mean. It's such a natural way to get in people's lives um, by not just locking yourself up in your house or your hut or your whatever you got to get out <laughs> and you got to find you got to meet the neighbors and in a natural way mm -hmm. like going to the lake that was just awesome that's how it works and you don't want to lose that lady <laughs> you want to yeah right in contact with her yeah and even some of the friends that we've made that have been able to um some study the bible with already which is amazing but others you know oh, just slowly building a relationship as naturally as possible you know because i don't want to have an ulterior motive i you know i, I guess as a Christian, you always have an ulterior motive. You want everyone to go to heaven, but you know, I don't want it to seem like I'm a salesman. Like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to be a part of my, uh, my Ponzi scheme pyramid business? Like, I'm not making friends just to sell you something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I learned when I became a missionary is like, wow, this is no different than being at home. You are, mm. you're dealing like when I'm at home, you know, when we're in our local church and visitors come, we say, Hey, and we say, Hey, you want to go to dinner? And you know, you are being intentional and not phony, but you are making friends, you're seeing the needs and you are, um, being warm and natural. And that's, it's no different to me than being in America, being in Mongolia, being in Hungary. Um, you're a believer. And that's what I meant last time. I think when we were talking was that, you know, you don't, you kind of have to wait on ministry and you, it evolves and it happens and you have to have patience and mm. you're seeking the Lord, you know, a lot of prayer time and a lot of, um, just dealing with your own self like mm. with me you know people when we first moved here you know everybody's coming over for tea you know <laughs> it's like they want to sit there and talk a little while and i'm like okay i need i'm like wanting to slip out the back door and go to work because yeah. i'm i got i have so much work to do and so i had to really make myself not just go to work, you know, mm -hmm. but I would get to work, but it was like, I had to give people that time, you know, it's mm -hmm. like when we first settled in Mongolia, um, we started an art gallery in the city and we moved out into our village and, and we put our hut up our gear. It's like a yurt, uh, a felt canvas tent up in kind of in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And it's like, after a while, I'm like, the Lord's dealing with me. Yeah. So you, where's the people <laughs> you didn't, you didn't move into, yeah. into around the people you moved as far away from the people as you uh. could get <laughs> kind of, cause I'm that kind of country kind sure. of boy, you know, and it's like, yeah. I had, the Lord had to deal with me. It's interesting because we're still who we are just because we shift countries. Mm. Um, but you still have to put yourself in the right place mm. and, and following the Lord. And then, um, get out of your comfort zone and, and, uh, get in people's lives. Yeah. Now that's, that's a good point too. There's so like Hungary is really cool for me personally in a lot of ways. Cause like my, my family, my, my dad's side of the family is Hungarian. So it's like, there's this like extra draw that like my ancestors are from mm. here. And, um, but yeah. also there's so many things about Hungary that weirdly are like Ohio back, back in America, which is, you know, I'm an Ohio boy. 
And uh, it's mm-hmm. like the size of the country is about the size of Ohio and the weather's similar mm-hmm. and the terrain, the land is similar. And, you know, obviously apart from it being a foreign country and they speak a different language, but right. like when we, this was a, we, we, we bought a car back in June finally um, so that we could, you know, we travel by public transportation in the city, but so we could leave and, and go other cities and visit people easier. And so we were able to drive to the lake and it, it's about an hour and a half, two hours away from Budapest. That's, that was our first time getting on the highway and like leaving mm. the city a couple hours on our own. And that just, you know, those are the little things that make you feel more at home. Like, wow, we're just, we're going on a road yes. trip because we live here. We're not just tourists, you know? And, but right. man, getting on the highway, it felt, the highway felt like Ohio. The, we, we passed a KFC and a shell gas station. I'm like, where am I on deputation right now? Like, where am I at? <laughs> but you know, visiting, yeah. seeing those smaller towns, getting outside the city, I was like, man, this, this is what I like. Cause I grew up in a little town and if it were up to me, we would go live in some little 5,000, 10,000 person city and just kind of be away from all the stuff. But like you said, it's like, but, but where are all the people at man? And, and at this stage in your ministry, where do you need to be? You need to be in the capital, right? At least for now, you know. But that, that's yeah. a really good point, though, that you make. Right? Yeah, it's exciting. When we when we first um, were talking about where we were going to settle in Mongolia, the Lord was really, I felt like showing me the area. But some pastors started talking to me about before you go to that area, you should go to the capital city you know, and get your language started and just figure out some government and just figure out how to live, how to, to buy and sell and culture, work on sure. your pieces and just learn the ropes, you know, cause I wanted to go straight out to mm-hmm. kind of the middle of nowhere, our village that we've been studying and looking at for a couple of years. So anyhow, we, we obeyed those pastors and just went to the city and it was a good thing. And that's how we really, started that's how we got our visa actually we we came into the city and we already had talked to the american embassy and was asking about how can we come in to this country and and um do business they were like well you know are you a missionary (laughs) i said yes first question (laughs) yeah said well you just need to be honest you need to be truth i mean if you're gonna come in here and do business you need to do business don't come in here and say you're going to do business and and not do it they Mm -hmm. they know better people Mm -hmm. know better than that be honest and that was good advice you know so we when we landed we hung out in the city for about 10 months and then we uh, started an art gallery, went to the, uh, found a bunch of artists and put their work on consignment, rented a little room. Oh, wow. It up. Yeah, and started a little art gallery. Then we got our visas through that. And then we moved out into the countryside about 25, 24 hour drive. Oh, off road. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 20, 25 minutes, <laughs> 24 yeah. hour drive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Off road and getting lost. Can't find the road, following the telephone poles, wow. you know, just way out in the middle of nowhere Real Mickey kind of Cove place. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we loved it. But so we settled in there and then we would, um, we'd drive back. You can, we could catch a flight about three hours away, two hours away. Actually, at that point, it was three hours away. Now we have a little bit of a road in here. So anyhow, and we'd fly back and buy art and keep, we had another missionary. We were able to give him a visa to run the gallery while we went to Uh our village. And then when we came to our village, we asked our governor, hey, can we work with your artist here? 
you know, can we have a little gallery there? We'd like to work with the artist and and train them and and show them some things that foreigners would like. So we started working with that, and that's how we got our visa and how we got all these natural contacts with. We're artists. I'm a potter. My wife's a painter. We had a little uh, pottery business in America called uh, Vessels of Honor. So basically, that was how we came in, kind of what we call strategic endeavors. Like, how do you get in mm -hmm. to a semi-closed country? Well, you can do business. Mm -hmm. And what what do you do naturally? What is your talent? What What's natural for you? What can you talk about? What can you do? And it wasn't really to make money. It was to to get a visa and to mm -hmm. do our work and and to watch the Lord use us at, in our talent. And so all our first contacts were artists and people surrounded by that. So mm. it was really a natural uh, way for us to come in. Yeah, that's awesome. And then so, so along those lines too, let's just roll with, you know, you're starting in ministry. I'd love to hear more about, you know, you <laughs> land, so you land on the field, spend that first year. And so you're meeting all these people out of necessity, right? So you're starting that business. And for me, it was like, you know, language school, like you're, you're meeting people because you have to at some level and like, right. you know, your barber, what, whatever it is. And so for me, it's like, well, I just, you know, write that person's name in my prayer journal. And like, that's who I'm praying for. And before you know it, you've got two or three dozen names of real people that like, you know, it's at some level that you're praying for exactly. every day. And it, it just amazed me how fast that prayer journal filled up on a just by meeting people that I didn't have to try to meet. It was just through natural things that I have to do. Every right. Day. That's what I'm saying. That's so, so right. So good, natural, easy. Hmm. You know, you're not like, um, I don't know, knocking on doors saying, I want to tell you about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's illegal for one thing, basically. Why in Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> You know, it's semi, there's somewhat freedom of religion and there's not. Mm -hmm. So it's like if it's natural and you're making a friend and, and you go out to lunch and they ask you who you are and what you're doing and, you know, you end up telling them who you are, you know, and yeah. then as the relationship builds, you know, more, you tell them more about the Lord. And so it's mm -hmm. just a very, I like that natural, it's easier yeah. for me. Yeah, especially for us guys, at least, you know, I'm not putting you in this category, but for me, like, I'm not like the boldest evangelist in the world. Like, I, I have to pray for God to give me that boldness and courage because I'm just not, I don't know, I might come off oh, outgoing, yeah, but I'm, I'm not the guy who just goes out and like grabs the random person like, hey, man, let me tell you about something that will change your life. Like, that's not me. <laughs> right now i wish i was more like that my wife yeah. wins more souls than i do she <laughs> she'll when we were in the city and a few times she'll get the street kids up and you know a half a dozen of them and take them she won't give them money but she'll take them in to a restaurant and oh, that's awesome. make those guys mad <laughs> but the kids feed them a nice meal and yeah. talk with them and tell them about the lord and <laughs> and uh yeah She'll, uh, she's better. She's a better witness than I am. <laughs> but it is amazing though. Like it, when you just start building relationships with people naturally. So like a lot of the guys that, that I've met here, so they'll find out what I do either naturally or they'll ask me or whatever. And then they'll start asking me questions. Like I, <laughs> like all I'm doing is praying every day and, and, and yep. studying and, and working on language and stuff. And then I've got people that I'm meeting and it's like half the time I don't even have to like, you know, I don't have to ask them 
the transition question of like, so brother, where, you know, where do you think, what do you think happens <laughs> yeah. after you die? Like, like, I don't have to ask that. It's like, they're asking me. So like, what is, what does a missionary do? What do you, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, oh. talking, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's yeah. I mean, I think people could read it wrong, but mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying. It's just very natural and people are interested in who are you yeah, and why are you here? And because you're a foreigner, you have this, this interest, you're interesting mm-hmm. and, they want to ask questions. And then once you get settled in and, you know, I remember in our village, you know, just um, keeping our, our uh, grass mode and keeping things tidy and all people were interested in that. And they would <laughs> come over and talk to us and, and uh, they would say something about it. Oh, this is so nice grass, you know, <laughs> or something about this is also, you know, and they, they seen the work, they seen the tidiness and I don't know, it just, yeah. um, it was inviting to them. Mm. So that was interesting. A lot of little just natural um, uh, ways that you are, are interesting. Mm. And it causes them to ask you questions. And then, you know, when you just tell who you are in your testimony, Mm. it's not like you're even trying to, um, you are trying to witness to them, of course, but I mean, it's just a natural way. What's the Lord's done for you and why you're here. You know, the, I'm just a simple country boy. I'd always tell them and, <laughs> you know, and I was in church one day and I'd been praying about Lord, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm, my life is half over. Is there anything you want me to do? And it just how the Lord dealt with my heart about going to Mongolia. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him, you know, I didn't, I had to look on the map, where's Mongolia, you know, and mm. just, and just telling them that, uh, the, how the Lord brought me there and how, what he's done for me and, and who he is. And it just comes out in a natural way. And they, they're just so interested and they don't feel on the spot so much, but the Lord, you know, brings them to back and we become friends and it just mm-hmm. naturally happens. You know, kind of like even having people over and we would um, thank the Lord for our food. Yeah. And then I, th- I told you last time, then a guy told me, Hey, um, I'm thanking the Lord for my food every night when I eat. And you know, and that was, that was very exciting. Yeah. Just naturally, you know, not that we, not that that is my, um, was my um, plan. It's just, I'm like you. It's not like I'm just to go up to a guy and say, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I wish I was better at that, but I'm better at making friends and, and it coming out, you know, but not making friends and then it coming out a year later, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right. right. I want (laughs) to, I want to bring it up the first or second time Mm -hmm. a little bit because that is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. I mean, you know, and it is, it's natural for me to say something about the Lord because we're all about the Lord, you know, right. All of us. are. And if, if people are going to get close enough to where they notice your Christian life and it's different or or you're just modeling for them and they're curious, like you Mm -hmm. have to like, let them get close enough or you have to intent, like, like, you know, like you said, just having people over to your house and in in some cultures that is kind of weird. Like even, like, uh, our landlady is super, super sweet, super nice. And, you know, the first couple of months she was over a lot, you know, cause we needed help with certain things. And it was like, every time she came by, we had someone else in our house and she looked at me and she's like, do, do you know all these people? Like how it, it was like, she was almost <laughs> intrigued. Like, 
how are you getting Hungarian? Like you just moved here. How are Hungarians coming into your home already? Like that's not oh, normal. That's so like cool, we don't man. make friends with like <laughs> strangers that quick. And so even just yeah. getting to share with her, like that was, yeah. But uh, like you have to yeah, be intentional huge about letting them that's in. A huge, yes. Hmm. It's a huge witness. Yeah. What was your, it. so we got to talk about prayer, man, because that was in the last episode, it was just such a blessing for me and so many people to hear you talk about prayer, but in specifically in regards to you getting to the field and, you know, you're starting to build these relationships and you're praying about getting ministry started. What was that like? Mm-hmm. How, you know, how did you, did you have a strategy or, or was it just every day you pour in before the Lord, what you needed for that day? How'd you go about praying for yeah getting the ministry started those first couple of years. Is that before coming to the field? No, or? no, no. Once you got there, once you got there and it's right. like, this is the reality now. <laughs> and, and like, I, I, yeah. I want to get yeah. to here, but I'm starting with step one. Cause I, my prayers have been yeah. so desperate, like, not desperate in like a bad way, yeah. but just like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I need to do this dependent. thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dependent. That's Desperately a better word. dependent. Yeah. I, that's me. And it's very much, um, Wow. So basically when we got here, it's more or less, okay. It's like, wow, whoa is me. This is, (laughs) this is different smells. This is right. Different driving. This is like so interesting so far. And, and I'm the foreigner and it's like, wow, you know, patience, I think patience then and patience now, I think that's a real key for a missionary is just the, you're resting in your calling and you're resting in those first leadings of the Lord and in, in life and salvation and life. It's just like we, we look to the cross for forgiveness and we, we, we look how the Lord has dealt with us in our devotions and in our callings and in our, uh, in foundational truths. It's always there, whether you're at home or abroad or whatever you're resting in the Lord to keep going and to you're, you're always thinking about future joy. And so um, I think patience is a real key to rest in that. And, but as far as getting going, what was the main, ask me the question again. What just, what was your prayer life like in those first couple of years when you're praying about getting things going? And cause for me, it's like, right. I, I tend to have the personality the, the Martha personality rather than the Mary. Like I need to go out and yeah, go, go, yeah, go work. Yeah. And God's yeah, yeah, just been too. showing me like, just spend time at my feet, man. Well, and I think that's why I say, you know, to remember, I have to remember my calling that, that those um, fundamental foundational truths and the truths when the Lord dealt with my heart, I'm about mm-hmm. being a missionary, you know, I'm almost 40 and I'm like, I'm just this basic working guy, you mm-hmm. know, and the Lord's dealing with me and I'm, I'm praying. And I, I might've told you about the night of praying and the Lord's given me some verses about the widow with the oil and, and how that she had nothing and she's asking the Lord. And basically what came to my mind in my prayer before I went to the field was church planting missionaries start mm-hmm. churches. Of course mm-hmm. you're, you're making disciples and the Lord builds his church. So church planting is the key, you know, that's the number one thing, making disciples. Sure. Then you have to train those people. So leadership training. So that's what I thought of. And that's what I've written down and has been my, my foundations, my four foundations 
of the ministry is church planting, leadership training, gospel publishing. I've been a printer um, at the Fellowship Track League for years, and then just seeing what the printed page means in the world mm-hmm. and in history, gospel publishing, my prayer was, Lord, you know, Moses's song, you know, has always stuck out to me. He wanted to saturate the ground with the, with the doctrine, with God's mm-hmm. doctrine. And I just wanted to take that on, Lord, I want to saturate Mongolia with sound doctrine, with mm-hmm. gospel truth. So gospel publishing is going to be a big part of that. And then strategic endeavors. I, I'm a potter. My wife's a painter and we we have um, done art business before we were called to missions. Basically, we made pottery and sold it to a bunch of galleries mm-hmm. wholesale. So I thought, okay, that's going to be a part of me getting in there and a part of what I should train people how to go uh, that developed though. So, but basically where there was four foundational things, church planning, leadership training, gospel publishing, and strategic endeavors. Mm-hmm. So that out of the, the coming into the city, like the strategic endeavors as, as a potter and a painter, we started uh, into the art gallery. I told you, mm-hmm. opened a little art gallery, just a little small room and put another missionary in. made all these friends out of these artists. And and got our visas and we moved away and we started a little um, company called, it's a nonprofit organization called Local Craftsman. So we have, uh, we got our visas through a little company. We called it Vessels of Honor mm-hmm. and we have our, our visas. We can do art mm-hmm. and sell it. So we're training artists. But when we came to our village, we started a, a non profit organization mm-hmm. called local craftsmen so we'd have purpose and reason wherever we're at mm-hmm. when the government asks us and looks at us and so we started training about 12 artists that were interested and in, mm-hmm. and working with them in different um you know in some woodworking and clay work and wool we have long-haired yaks that are are very and camels long-haired camels long-haired sheep and goats and cashmere so we got spinning wheels and carters and tried to start working with that making yarn and so that type of thing and that just gives you all this group of people that you Mm. know this natural context and that's how the lord has led us so so when we started the church basically we started um to give you to to head into a story let me tell you a little about the church there Mm -hmm. so basically we got here and i've told you some stories there and we basically um started having some people over uh some couples over and began to teach them the bible Mm -hmm. like three o'clock every day we would start teaching them having a bible study so i was using um firm foundations uh where you're taking them from genesis to revelation basically from what do you call it um chronological teaching oh, okay uh mm-hmm. from 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 creation to christ, creation That's to what christ. I'm yeah yeah right from on. creation yeah. to christ so you start out with uh who is god yeah, you know? yeah. and you're just you working your way through the you old work Testament. your way to christ mm-hmm. god becoming a man yeah so i start in that i i start teaching and it took is taking me months and i'm almost getting to christ you know all Mm -hmm. through the winter and i'm fixing to tell them that god is going to become a man now they've seen all the the case yeah 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 so they've seen all the prophecies and they're they know they they know it's going to happen and so basically i told them next sunday 
we're going to talk about God becoming a man. You know, I'm going to introduce Jesus to them, you know. Mm -hmm. And so my boys were just finishing school and homeschool, and I was going to take them out for uh, three or four days horse trek, you know, back in the mountains. So we got back in the mountains and my um, middle son, we're all on horses and we're kind of racing and we're going all over the place. And then from out of nowhere comes a dog and chases my one son. He's getting off of his horse and the dog shoots out of the wood and jumps the horse, scares the horse. And the horse took off. My son's foot was still in the stirrup. Wow. So he drug wow. him for, you know, a long way. I um, think I remember uh, this actually. This, this was years ago, right? Yeah, this was probably, yeah, at least, I don't know. 15, 16 years ago. I feel like I remember our church maybe praying for that. Okay, okay, go go ahead. I don't want to interrupt the story. Yeah, so basically (laughs) he was drugged by the horse, I don't know, 50 yards, and the horse kicked him in the jaw, broke his jaw, and um, he was unconscious by the time I got to him. Thank God the saddle broke, and, Mm. you know, so he's unconscious. We get him. It took us 40 hours to get him to the city and then to Korea, we were able to get him into um, South Korea. So he's unconscious for a few weeks. But meanwhile, we left our church, our village on emergency flight, and then we disappeared, you know? Oh. I, so I told the church, we're, we'll, Sunday, I'm gonna tell you about the about Christ, you know? And then we disappeared. Mm. So so my son's hurt. He's he's in an accident and we don't return back to the village till three months later. Wow. And uh, so when I come back, we have Jonah and Trina were, were still in, we sent, I sent them to America for rehab and this kind of thing. He came through it and he's fine today, but he was seriously injured, you know, kind of like um, broke the main axons, the nerves in the brain and just like shaking baby syndrome kind of thing. So, but it all grew back and he's, he's fine, normal now. So basically they didn't hear the gospel. And when I came back, I gave them the gospel, you know, for the first time and, and 21 of those people got saved. Wow. And it was after a three month (laughs) pause. Yeah. It's after three months. So it's so interesting, but out of that, out of that, grew the church out of Jonah's accident. Hmm. Uh, the church started, but it also, so we're, we're in South Korea and pastors are calling and they're asking about the ministry and they're asking about Jonah. And then I had another pastor that I had been talking to that was a printer or he had printed Bibles bearing precious seed for years mm-hmm. and first Bible international. And he's asking me, and we've been praying and talking about getting, um, you know, starting a translation, getting some printing done, starting a print shop. Anyhow, he said, brothers, there's a bunch of men asking me about your ministry. And he said, I think the Lord's going to start your printing ministry, you know, through this accident, you know, because it's just making a lot of people aware. And sure enough, it did, you know, and Hmm. I was really seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, you know, is there anything I'm missing, you know, and I'm just praying because uh, here, here's my son, he's about to die. And these things are happening. Of mm-hmm. course, you're seeking the Lord. And I was reading in John six, and the Lord really dealt with my heart that, you know, through this accident, many are going to be fed, 
I was looking at the boy with the few loaves and the Lord was just really dealing with my heart and showing me some scriptures. I won't get into that, but it's basically simple. From that scripture, I thought, wow, the Lord's going to feed many people through Jonah's accident. Mm. So I just thought, wonder what that's all about. And then this, this pastor calls me and he's talking about getting the printing ministry going. So out of that starts the printing ministry. Um, several hundred thousand dollars was given for the presses. And then we eventually started the translation, which we're still working on the translation. We're about a year and a half out and we'll have the whole Bible translated. So it's been about wow. 16, 15 years we've been working on this translation. Wow. That's amazing. In, so in it's Mongolian. Awesome. Yeah, we have a whole team in the city. We work with the Trinitarian Bible Society, and they mm -hmm. fund a lot of it and check all our work, and we're going through them. And so just tremendous help, a lot of help. So we have about five Mongolians on staff, and then Dr. Charles Keene and some other men in America that help us, and men in Europe, uh, in London that help us. So. Wow. It's very exciting. So, so the printing ministry started, the church started. You would never think, I would have never thought to yeah. plan that, <laughs> that did, the Lord would use something like that. Did your faith waver at all during that, that three-month time period where, during the pause, whenever, you know, no. you're with your son? Like, what, what was your walk with the Lord like? Well, it was, you know, it's so funny because my mom called me. She said, Mickey, you know, people here in America are saying the devil's fighting you and the the Lord's or the Lord's chastening you. He said, I've heard all kinds of stuff. I said, Mom, you know, I need chastening always. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the devil's fighting. And you, you know, she had four or five things. I wish I could remember what it was, but it, it's so funny. It's just like it, of course, mom, it's all the above. But basically, it's um, of course the Lord's working and the wicked ones fighting and um that's a given of course yeah. we grew and you know everything is happening you know mm -hmm. all those things are happening of course i need chasing of course we need training and it's all happening it's all good and and when i look at it now that's why i can say wow you know the ministry started out of this the the church mm -hmm. started out of this and and it just really uh was a very close time with the Lord. It was mm -hmm. most exciting time. Wow. You know, it's not exciting. Your son's hurt, right. but whenever you're in those situations, the grace of the Lord is so amazing. Mm -hmm. So, so really, I'll tell you, I never experienced anything like in South Korea, the people like, so when I landed, we, we, it's, let me tell you a little funny one. So yeah. we're in yeah. the hospital, <laughs> we're in the hospital in, um, in, uh, Mongolia and they can't get the IV in and Jonah's he's on his veins are kind of collapsing. They couldn't get the IV in and this and that's happening. And, and, um, they're kind of telling me he's not going to make it. And, you know, and th it's just a bad situation. And then this guy, this real slick guy comes in with, he's all this perfect looking guy, you know, and he comes in, he's kind of dark skin, his hair's waved back and he's comes in and he just takes over, you know, and he just puts, he just walks right over there, puts the IV in. He's the emergency flight guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So he comes in on this jet and he lands and he walks in puts the IV in, says, let's get him, let's load him up. Let's do this. Next. Like step back. So, I got this. <laughs> yeah, he did. And it was like, we were, everybody was like amazed and he was just 
in control. And then so he reaches over and he says, here, we got to sign this paper. And he signs his name, Jesus. <laughs> and I said, are you serious? He said, yep, that's my name, Jesus. <laughs> he said, I save people every day. Oh, he man. said, I have... I've been on this jet. He said, I've been on this jet for three years. Uh, only time I get off is to walk in, pick the person up and put them on the jet. Wow. He said, I've, he, he just, he's amazing. Hmm. But anyhow, so there was just one story after another like that. We're in Korea. And so we land that jet lands and this doctor comes walking up. And so he hands me a thousand dollars and he says, it's expensive here. Let me help you. And then there's like seven or eight Korean young people that are doctors and nurses and they come up and they take him and this and that. And so this, the next day we're in there and, and the doctor says, so how did, how did you know that doctor that met you at the airport? You know, I heard that he met you there and gave you a thousand. How did you know him? I said, I don't know who he is, you know? said, well, he's the head surgeon and the head of this big hospital over there. He says, he's a great Christian man. He writes all these theological books. You know, it's just wow. going on and on. I don't know. I never seen him. I never knew who he was, you know, but then he started visiting us. And so we had just people coming to visit us that we never met before. So the Lord uh, was just encouraging was just in, you in, even throughout the tragedy. Oh, yeah. And it wow. was just a godsend. And it was... um yeah, so we all grew, and the church started, and the printing started, and um, basically, uh, the Lord used that, you know, mm -hmm. in our lives, and so, yeah, it's like, you know, accidents, I don't know, what what do you think about an accident, <laughs> but uh, somebody could get drugged or kicked by a horse anywhere, you yeah, know, sure. it just happened with us, and the and it worked in the minute. So it worked, you know, there's so many stories I could tell you, but I'll stop on that, you know. <laughs> well, it is amazing though, how is it, it, like you said though, that you experience God's grace more personally and more closely. More, it's more real when you're going through the hard times. So it's like, right. even though the time is really hard, whatever circumstance you're going through, it's, if you're, if you're still getting in the word and praying, your prayers become more desperate desperate and but you but then you feel god more it i don't know from my yes. experience it seems yes. that way yes totally especially yeah, as a missionary was, uh, on the field where life is just it can just be hard on any given day for any number of reasons <laughs> exactly exactly that's so true hmm. and you know and the ministry has grown you know the translation and so many things has happened and that that same pastor i wanted to tell you another one since mm -hmm. you wanted to hear a few stories story time please <laughs> Let's There's go. there was a there was a so you know printing and translating it's such major warfare spiritually in that realm in that type of ministry but basically this pastor I was telling you about that helped to start the ministry mm -hmm. Dr. Charles Keene he he called and he said you know um I have a burden to get the gospel of Mark in our a, a gospel in everybody's every home in Mongolia, you know. I said, okay, let's All do right. it, you know, because <laughs> that's just what I say, especially <laughs> to this brother. I say, okay, let's do it, <laughs> and because the Lord always works it out, you know. So basically, he said, what book do you want to to print? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? And I was I was thinking Mark, you know. And so we basically that's what he had in mind, and and so 
he said, I want to print over in America 500,000 and ship them to you. I said, well, I'm a printer. That's what I do here. No, the churches want to work them up and get them to you. So we'll pay for it. We'll get them to you if you can get them out. So I said, okay, we'll get them out. So we, he sends over about 350,000 to start with and we get them in and I'm with, I've got my lawyer friend and my pastor friend and my accountant, and my secretary. And we, we're all there trying to receive these and we're in big trouble. You know? And so it's, it's $30,000 tax and this and that. Ooh, yeah. We, yeah. Get them through it customs like, and all. Yeah. 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 So I just said, well, you know, you, I told my, my lawyer friend, I said, can you just tell them that they can have them, that it's okay. They can have them. So Anyhow, they came back and they worked it out. So it ended up being about $4,000 oh. taxed, you know, <laughs> okay, that's great. You know, so anyhow, but meanwhile, my, this main pastor guy, that's a really great brother. He's really scolding me. He said, you can't have all, you'll, these will be in a warehouse forever. This is like a, a book for every family in the country. You know, there's only 3 million people here. And he's like really getting on to me, you know, and I'm kind of surprised. And, and I said, you know, you're probably right, but we're going to try, you know, <laughs> they probably will sit in the warehouse some, but we're going to, the Lord will, the Lord will help us. We're just going to trust the Lord and believe the Lord. And so anyhow, so we, we get all these Bibles in, and then the next load we get is about 100,000. Uh, yeah, the rest of them <laughs> to so, hit so 500,000. with about a half a million Bibles or marks. Yeah, we had a half a marks. million. So okay. this last time I've got this, I've got a load of clay because I'm a potter, and it's, mm -hmm. it's bags of white powder dust, you know. So they're sitting there on the container, and then the whole container's full of Bibles. So okay, the, all the police are there, everybody's there, and they think I've got this big load of cocaine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's five o'clock, it's time for them to go home, and they're mad because they have to have it tested, and, <laughs> and this and that, and so, but I'm out there, I'm kind of sitting there, and I'm kind of playing around with those workers on the dock, and they're teasing each other and poking this guy and sitting there. And so after a little bit, my secretary goes out and they, well, actually, so I, they're all there. And I said, well, can these other Mongolian guys take these books and go? Cause they, they got a long way to drive. They said, yeah, take the books and go. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. So they never, they're, even they're worried about, about the, the, the clay. They were worried about the yeah. cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, the guy comes out and they want to go home. And so all this big group of people comes up and says, okay, you can go. And I, I said, what happened? You know, they said, well, they just said, you're just laughing and playing and acting happy. They just said, it can't be drugs. Just tell the guy to leave. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way this dude's a drug dealer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, oh, we wow. get them all in and then we're wondering, we start to passing them out in different villages and we get a call from this big ministry that says, Hey, can you print us about three, 400,000 book of marks and we'll pay you. I said, yes, I can. I said, you don't have to pay me. You can tell me where to deliver them and I'll <laughs> deliver them tomorrow. And he said, our plan is we're going to send a thousand teams to meet with a thousand teams of, in Mongolia to hit every village, to try to hit every home in the country over the next two years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, and you had the Bible so, already. 
Yeah. So there's no way we could have done that. There's no way we knew about it, but we, we said, we'll do it. Hmm. And trusting the Lord could do it. And he did it within a year, you know, amazing. So it's happening. It's happening now. So that's, that's another little fun story in the printing, Yeah, you know, so there's other stories like that are just fun, exciting things. And, but the thing is when I, when we started talking, I said something about patience, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking through a podcast and I'm thinking when you talk to a missionary and like I'm hitting the highlights, the big yeah. things, big stories. And it, but we're talking 18 years, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got some of that last time. So everybody, even if you live at home, you and you're a believer, you know, wherever you have stories. But some some young believers look at that and hear that and they say, Wow, you know, this this is happening for this guy every day. No, that's a few highlights in 18 years. <laughs> sure, you sure. know that's the highlight reel. So yeah, yeah. There's really. a lot of patience. There's mm-hmm. a lot of looking um, at the cross, trusting the mm-hmm. Lord, the foundational truths, resting in my calling. When I'm, when there's long, it's a long drawn out process, pioneer missions, mm-hmm. and you don't see lots of fruit. There's a know, lot of valleys you, between those mountaintops. Yeah. And it's like, we're remodeling an old factory here to do youth camp and, or we are doing youth camp. And, and that's been a long time in the, in the making that. So that old, so oh my goodness. thing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel I mean, like I was a put, teenager when you first started talking about that. Yeah. You were, you were. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say. It takes a lot of patience because mm. you hear these highlights and you put that together as a life, but there's years of uh, struggling and working and and living and accidents and you just you just realize you you like the lord for the joy that's laid before him you know you just know that there's a future there's a mm. there's an end this this is a service we're we're looking to the lord we're we're going to just keep going yeah. you know and because you know wow we've been translated we've been um We've been translating a Sunday school curriculum for about 14 years. Wow. Now think about that. Yeah. With 78 yeah. volumes, but we're finished translating and we're we're finished printing all the black and white and almost all the color and we're putting those together, but it's taken us over a year just to staple these and we still aren't finished. But I'm just saying that's that's our goal. Mm you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> We're still working man, at but, it. But you're just We're starting to, to realize, oh, man, that's good for me yeah, to hear the patience thing, Mickey. I, I appreciate that, man. So you're basically, you're resting me. on what you know, what, what God's already shown you, what he's promised. And then you're just trusting that what, you know, the burden he's given you or the vision he's given you, whatever, you're just trusting in his faithfulness to get you there. That's and then, it. and then that's grinding it. every day. You just work every day and you just keep working and Mm. you don't quit and you have to have patience and you have to, you must be resting in the future. You know, Mm. this, we have a future in heaven. It's it's exciting, Mm. you know, and this is just a little part of our eternity. And I just want to work hard and run well with it. And you have these things and it, it looks glamorous and glorious, but it is just a lot of work. Mm. And, you know, just like it is for people back home, (laughs) just like it is for everybody, you know, you just don't quit 
and you keep going and you rest in that calling, you, you have patience, you rest in, and I say rest in the calling, I mean as a whole, like you're calling unto salvation, you're calling to, to everything the in life, especially your, yeah. yeah, your foundational truths and, and, and you're calling for the future of heaven. And it's just mm. this little tiny span of life. We've got to, to fulfill it. And yeah. we've got to run yeah. well. And so it's focusing got, on the right things. So like, like Colossians three, focus on things above. So when life gets hard down here, don't focus on that stuff. Focus right. up on, on what's to come and just keep running. That, that's yeah, because it is hard. Word. It can be hard every day. Mm. And it's going to be lots of hardness. And it's kind of like as a young person at, at 18 years old, 19 years old, I, I remember telling the Lord, you know, I really want to do something for you. But Lord, I, I know I look at my family. My family's no good. Look at me. I, I'm not a good guy. I can't even read. I never, mm. I haven't read. I can't even write. But 18 years old. I never read a book, you know, and I just could maybe read on the third grade level or, or less at 18 years old. And as I mm. wanted the Lord to serve the Lord, and I wasn't at all thinking missionary. I think I'd have ran out the back door fast if I thought the Lord is going to, I'm the kind of guy that's sitting on the back row, but I, I wanted to live for the Lord with my heart. I wanted to be a prayer warrior. I wanted to just serve the Lord in the background. Yeah. I didn't, I never planned on being a missionary, but then he really gave me some scriptures that about, you see, you're calling brother, not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty are called, but God yeah. has chosen the foolish, the base, you know, and the Lord really, I think at 18 started calling me, dealing with me, working with me, preparing me. Mm -hmm. And basically just in my prayer life and just in talking to my friends and just uh, talking to my sister and my mother and just what was natural talking to my pottery teacher, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and that's how I wanted to serve the Lord. And that's yeah. really all serving the Lord is, you know, is, is, whether you're at home or in your church and receiving people or you're on the mission field and receiving people and giving your testimony and telling them about the Lord. Yeah. I just think it's, we're, we're believers mm -hmm. and we've got something to tell. We can, you know, we've got, yeah. we have eternal life to mm -hmm. tell about, Amen. you know? Yeah. We're ambassadors. That's awesome. Mickey, if this might be kind of a tough question, I don't mean to set you up with this, but just, you know, as I'm listening to everything you're saying and you've been on the field almost 20 years now, you went to the field later in life at 40. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you were able to kind of like look back at the last 18, 20 years of your life, since you got to the field, what, what has God showed you about himself? Like what, what have you learned about God whether it's his provision, uh, his character, whatever. What what have you learned about God in the last 20 years of your life serving him on the foreign field? What, you know, if it's one or two or three things, is, is there anything that just jumps out at you that God has really taught you in the last two decades of serving in this capacity? Honestly, I think that in a nutshell, uh, this is it. <laughs> I believe the Lord has taught me that you know, he that cometh to God must believe that he is mm. and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think that I think that means to be current with him. 
not that he, of course, it means that he is alive, but that he is right here, right now, as we talk, you know, as we pray, he's right there. You're not praying to a God that's far off. Um, you know, he is with us. If like Moses, Lord, Lord, if you don't go before us or with us, you know, yeah. we don't want to go, <laughs> but he's with us on a daily basis. And I think that's what I keep falling back to when I walk out to go outside or when I go to prayer, I, I recognize through life and through everything that he expects us, he wants us to quit talking to some God that's far off, you know, mm. that's far away, that that's going to have this delayed reaction at some point, you know, mm. but he expects us to be current. He expects us to expect and realize that he is current with us right here, right now, at this moment. Hmm. That's who he is. He is, I am, I am that I am. I am right here, right now with you. Amen. I think that's what, because, um, you know, I feel when I'm really spending, if I spend hours in prayer or many days fasting and boy, I'm with God. No, you're with God when you're not praying and mm. fasting, you know, <laughs> I mean, Amen. there's times I feel close to God and there's times, you know, what it, what matters is what do you believe? Mm. Are you current with God? He's current with you. He that cometh to me must believe that I am mm. right here, right now with you on the spot. Mm. So I think to, that's what I would say that he's dealing with me about through the years. That's yeah. awesome. And then just to see that flush out practically uh, through trusting him on the field, because it, I mean, man, if he doesn't come through, it's just not going to happen. What about, so you, you said, you know, you know, there's times that you, God feels closer, obviously, or, but, but he's always with you. That's, you know, that's a good word. What, did you ever find times on the field where, where you felt like God was distant or, or you were distant? You know what I mean? Like, what did, what did you do? Like, because there are, oh, you know, I mean, mountaintops and valleys and. I mean, that's a tough one because <laughs> when do you. Shooting from the hip, man. I'm, I'm sorry. You get... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy that feels like I'm just. Current. <laughs> I feel I, I that's my desire. That's what I want. That's who, that's who I want to be. And I think that I'm learning as I get older to just decide to believe the word of God mm -hmm. and, and just believe it. Here's what it wow. says. Just go for it, believe it, rest in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a such, I just realizing as I get older, wow, this is so such just decisions, you know, it's a, we are so dependent, but you still have to be dependent. You have to make mm -hmm. a decision to be dependent, Oof, you know, that's a good word. It's like, it's major, ah, Wow. you know, and it, it's like, I remember, I don't know if this is in the subject, but I, this just popped in mind. We, when I first got here, maybe first first four years, we didn't have a, a car or anything. And, and, um, we'd always just get on the little vans, the little Russian vans and drive to the next village, which was three and a half hours away off road, you know, and you're, 
roads are washed out and there's not really any roads it's kind of through <laughs> prairies and you go wow. through like six or seven little mountain ranges before you get to that village so basically i was i always try to take the lower seat you know i'd never sit in the front or it's that so i just happened to be sitting back in a little back compartment on the spare tire you know and it was like difficult you know <laughs> and we was hitting bumps and we dropped off this little ditch creek thing and i hit the the top of the roof with my head cracked my neck and I was like it was I was just so miserable you know and it was like boy just the realization hit me that you know I'm with you to the ends of the earth you know I was feeling at the ends of the wow. earth you know even when I'm in the back you know, of we, a Russian minivan cracking my head yeah. on the roof in Mongolia you're with yeah me. and it's not like wow. we could you know, there's no internet. There's no, if you wanted to make a phone, there's a landline. You go to the post office and wait in line and have wow. your two or three minutes. It was one, one switchboard, one phone. And, you know, it's like, yeah. So I don't know how I got off on that subject, except <laughs> I was thinking about being current with the Lord and the fact that, that he's with us even to the ends of the earth. I mean, mm -hmm. if you came from my home to Mongolia, it's absolutely the other side of the world, you know. Yeah, from yeah. North Carolina. Well, and <laughs> you know, that's I, I love that you picked that up or put that out there because you know, Great Commission is ingrained in our heads since we're little kids. If you grow up in a Christian family, but then when you go as a missionary and you get to the field and you reread the Great Commission, you know what sticks out to me more isn't the go ye therefore because that that's what stuck out to me when I was a teenager. Go, 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 go. You got to go. Yeah. We got to go to the ends of the world, you know what I mean? All of those things. But then when yeah. you get there, it's like, lo, I'm with you always. And that means so much more to me now than, than it did five years ago, because it, it does get hard, man. So it just practically it just gets hard. And what a promise. Yeah. Thank God that he gave us that promise in the great commission. Like, yeah, cause he knew we would need that yeah. little tidbit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. Cause when you get over in a place and, the smells are different. The looks are different. Everything is so different. You don't understand a word they're saying to you. Yeah. And it's like, it's like he's with you. It's just the same. It's like, mm -hmm. I think that theme's been in this talk, you know, like a worker is a missionary. Everybody's a believe that's a believer is a believer. Mm -hmm. The missionary. I know we have our special callings and the Lord really sends us. Mm -hmm. um, but really, we're doing the same thing mm. that people are doing at home mm. that are, that understand um, what the Lord expects. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and I didn't, didn't really want to say it like that. It's more like he's with you there. He's with me here. Mm -hmm. I'm a believer there. I'm a believer here. Now, no, we do have um, that, office of a missionary so i'm not belittling that oh no i know, know i know what you're saying we're, we're all called and, to do a work though regardless of yeah the, the location on the planet yeah yeah absolutely yeah because you know a lot of people especially new believers or young believers they really think the missionary's like this superhero guy <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> like you know he chose the base guys, you know, we're just, there's a reason he chose us. He gets the most glory. I mean, yeah, that's right. We know who gets the glory oh, because yeah, it's just, we are, we are the same people. We have to have our devotions. We have to deal with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Yeah, yeah, we have to 
confess, we have to pray, we have to, you know, it's just the same thing. Sure. You know, we're believers, we're over here. And and it is a, I'll tell you, it's a great blessing to have this calling to be a missionary, to be, um, to get to leave your homeland and your comforts and to be in another place. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I can't imagine being anything else. I think it's a great uh, joy um, and privilege for my children to be raised on the mission field and and just to to have this I don't see myself as I don't know as anything different or special I think it would be like this at home but it's just when I'm over here there's just this sense of calling you know I don't know how to say it yeah. it's a sense of it's a pleasure it's a joy but yet mm-hmm. It's so difficult, sure, <laughs> but sure. yet for the joy that's set before us, mm. um, it just doesn't matter. I think mm. if I'm at home or abroad or here or there, or happy or sad or hungry or full, I don't know. He's with us. He's current. He's with us to the ends of the earth. And, and I just think, um, I'm so glad I didn't miss this. It's mm. very, um, it's very, exciting but i i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this no man that'll preach man i was just gonna say just preach man keep it here here's let's do this because we do probably need to wind down i don't know i think you could probably go for two three hours and people will keep listening i would um but this is probably a good place to start to tie a bow on it because you started talking about young people and and I, I know you went to the field at 40, so this doesn't have to be directed at young people specifically, but, mm-hmm. but I know that I, you know, I was in my late teens, early twenties when I was really getting interested in missions. And those are typically the, the age group of people that have the most free time and, and they're starting to decide what am I going to do with my life? Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you have to say to the, the young people out there? You, you've been on the field for almost 20 years now. You've spent a, a large chunk of your adult life serving the Lord on the mission field. If you were going to give your, not even advice, maybe a plea, <laughs> I, I beseech you now, therefore, brethren, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm pleading with you young people in Laodicea where the world wants to tell you to, you know, pursue the things of this world, pursue the riches of this world, pursue fame, fortune, the American dream, whatever. How would you plead with them to don't pursue those things, but pursue to be used by the Lord to serve the Lord with your life? What pops into mind was my Sunday school teacher. His name was Rand Hummel. He worked at the Wiles Christian Camp, and he has a camp in New England. But he was my Sunday school teacher when I was 18. And he just, I remember one time him saying, you know, you need to, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he said, you need to recognize and realize that God wants the best for your life, that he will give you the best and that he will give you the desires of your heart. And he said, if you would just go for the Lord, give your heart to the Lord. He was talking about marriage and, and finding your mate. We were all teenagers, you know, and he said, that's a big concern. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's very concerning. And he just really made, he said, you won't miss God's will, you know, just give your heart to the Lord, trust the Lord. And he, he wants the best for you. He wants Mm -hmm. to fulfill you and excite you and give you the desires of your heart. And I don't know, I just bought into that, you know, at 18. And I just thought, you know, I want the Lord. I want, 
I have realized at a young age that the way to be, to really, this sounds so wrong. <laughs> the way to really have what I want, because I just wanted to be, I don't know. I was the kind of guy, like after graduation, I went, we drove to Canada and camped out on an island for three or four months, you know, and just canoed around all these channels. And we just, I've always been this kind of guy. And I just um, wanted, didn't know what I wanted, but wanted to be all out, mm. you know, and just wanted to be honest and serious and, and had big plans. I want the right wife. I told you the testimony last time about <laughs> yes. getting wife. Really if you guys didn't hear the first episode, Mickey explaining, praying for Trina is what you got. Going wanted back real specific Real know, specific stuff. <laughs> just crying out to the Lord. And man, he's really given me the desires of my heart. Mm. But I, it all started when I was a teenager and just not decide. I remember going to a revival meeting. This guy was preaching on hell and just the reality of hell kind of shook me into the reality of, you know, I need to just serve the Lord, get right with God. I mean, this life will be over with. I'll be at the end of my life and hell is real and God is real and heaven is real. I just need to go for the Lord. Hmm. It just hit me so hard. And I just did. Hmm. And, you know, I just remember going home. I had a 53, I had an old 55 Chevy. I think I was remodeling, fixing, sanding down, trying to nice. get ready to paint and this and that. And, and I just remember walking over to the refrigerator in the garage and getting a beer and just pouring it out. I started drinking. I said, nah, I just poured it out. And then I just remember telling my girlfriend, you know, I'm going to, you know, change my ways. I'm going to follow the Lord and really go for the Lord. And I just remember, um, I had all this crazy, just stuff I just got rid of, you know, hmm. and anyhow, so she dumped me, my girlfriend dumped <laughs> me and, <laughs> and just, it was just, I just went for the Lord. So it's just and a it's decision. Just, You're just like, you know what? It's a I'm, decision. I'm going to do this thing for real. No playing around. But it's a decision for eternity. It's, mm. it's the realization of God. I mean, now I can say this, I probably couldn't say that, but God is current, um, eternity is stepping into the rest of eternity. I always feel like, you know, when you graduate, when you die from this life, when you graduate from this life, it's like graduating from high school, you step into this other world. You're not, you don't have to go to school. You finish school as far as your high school. And so it's heaven. When you step into heaven, it's like you finish this earth time, mm -hmm. but there's so much, um, that you learned in school. There's so much that you learn and so much treasure that you can lay up in heaven. And so I've always dreaded the thoughts of standing before the Lord and just that appointment yeah. and that dread and that fear that I don't want to um, disappoint him. I don't want to fall short mm. all the time. You know? yeah. <laughs> I don't no, know. Amen. Man, you know what's like funny, that. Mickey? I okay. I I don't really want to hijack the the story time with Mickey with my stories, but my son. So my son is three now, and uh, boy, he has just been a handful since he was born. Man, big personalities. Mm. I I think the Lord wants to do stuff with him. I just gotta. I have one of those. Figure out how to. Was it was it your Judah? Was he the handful too? It was. Oh, <laughs> my firstborn. My firstborn. It's something about Judahs, man. They are a handful, but. 
I, I tell you what though, he so he's ornery and gets in trouble all the time. And but but as he's getting older and his personality's coming out, you see when he understands he did wrong and he, he gets repentant and it's just it's so good to see that he's starting to understand right from wrong and and uh but he started doing this thing whenever he would get in trouble, uh just to try and get out of trouble. He would start crying because yeah. he knew it, he knew it was common. He knew he was in trouble, and he would he would start crying <laughs> and say, "I just want to make you so happy." And it was it was not. <laughs> he figured out that if he can turn on the cute and try and get out of trouble, I don't know what it came from. I I think Brooke said he's got this book that the, the parents are I don't know a potty training book or yeah. something, you know. And so he yeah. just stole something from a book where he saw the kid making his parents happy, and and so he started doing yeah. this to try and get out of trouble. And I'm just like, boy, that that ain't gonna work, man. You already committed the crime. <laughs> exactly right. Um, he's trying yeah. to play the cute card, but you know what? Like I I realized the other day just that little line that like because with COVID and everything. I, I don't know about you, Mickey. I, I've been trying to ask every missionary at the end of our interviews in this season, like, has COVID changed your strategy at all or your time with the Lord? Just because I, it's, I've just, I feel like a lot of Christians have gotten more urgency recently because, like, oh man, maybe the Lord could come back anytime. Maybe this is the end times, and and we're staring mm-hmm. down, you know, just a couple of years out or sooner. And like, I, I feel my urgency being, but but in my strategy and my prayer time, I just if felt like, Lord, I just want to get to the judgment seat. I just want to make you happy. Like, like, like in all seriousness, like you're, you're my heavenly father. <laughs> and, and I know I got to the field and I'm not trying to get out of punishment. <laughs> like my son is yeah. but <laughs> in all sincerity, like, you know, maybe 20 year old kale would have said, Oh, I want to go to the field and start this size of a church in this ministry. And it's like, no, yeah. man, now that I'm here and we, you know, the signs of the times and all that, I just want to make him happy. You know, I just want to get to the judgment seat and have my dad say, or, and just be able to tell him like, I tried, you, you, this is what you told me to do. And I tried and I just hope you're happy. I just want to make you proud. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I hear you. But has, it, you. let me ask you that though. Has, you know, it, and we'll end it here. You know, we're going way long, but this is good. I don't care. Has, has COVID in this reality, is that in Mongolia or in your personal walk or strategy with missions, has anything changed? Have you felt more urgency or are you just keeping your nose to the grindstone and looking up and, and waiting on the Lord? You know, I'm funny in that way. I'm funny kind of guy. Cause it's like, it's like, um, I remember when I came home from Mongolia the other, you know, I don't know, 10 months ago or whenever it was, and I was preaching somewhere and everybody so tore up. And I said, I don't know what it is. I, I'm worried that I'm just not worried about nothing. <laughs> I said, it worries me that I don't worry <laughs> about not nothing. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm not more worried about COVID or, or anything. You know, I just, you know, but it does change you. Um, it does, it's changed, you know, the, the, um, the way, you know, especially back to the church, we finally, after years of mentioning impatience, we finally got a God called pastor here at our oh, wow. church in Hotko. So we're very thrilled about that. And so soon as he got in, um, back when COVID first started, you know, of course. they shut us down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's been doing the the online thing in our little tiny village. And it's been interesting. So yeah, a lot of things changed mm-hmm. here in our village. It's really tight here. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah, they'll, 
you know, they, Mongolia, I don't know if you know, they was the first country to shut their borders and lock down oh, really? and they didn't have COVID for a long time. Uh, now this flooding in here mm. is starting to happen. Mm. So anyhow, yeah, it changes, it changes my thinking and it, it's, um, but you know, I say that, but I, I don't know if I believe that <laughs> because it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like with Jonah's accident or with, you know, my dad dying or the different things that happen in life. It's kind of like, you know, the Lord's with us and this is, um, I don't know. It seems like nothing affects me like that very much. I don't know why, but I'm excited. I don't want to be numb to it, but I just think that it goes with the flow. These things happen. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to, it's so interesting to see how fearful people are and how it changes their thinking and their, um, not their theology, but their, their practical decision-making and either. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just too much. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, be real. But though, I do Mickey. believe. Do you think he's coming I believe soon? That next year. In, next year, I believe you're going to set a date. <laughs> when, I when's believe he coming? The Lord has been coming for two thousand years. <laughs> I believe. I'm. I'm always thinking like that. I'm always thinking he's fixing to come back any Amen. moment. Because <laughs> I just, I think he is. I. I mm. When I was young, my dad would was in the military, and he'd go away for a year at a time, oh, wow. and he'd leave me this major list of things to do. Paint the barn roof, fix this, reorder that. You know, I had all this major list, and when he came home, I, <laughs> I had that list done, but my life was living to fulfill that list hmm. when he would go away, and that's, I always feel like that in my life with the Lord, like he's given us a list, and we're trying to fulfill that list before he gets here, hmm. and I just think he's He's coming sooner yeah. than later. I mean, I'm sure he's coming. But the the thing that I know, whether he comes now or later, I don't I don't care. It's just he's coming. Mm-hmm. I have an appointment. It's like mm-hmm. when you have a dentist appointment. It's appointed on the man wants to die and then mm-hmm. the judgment. I mean, it's we have an appointment. It's written down somewhere and it is like it's it's coming. It's reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe- I am literally going to stand before my maker mm. eye to eye face to face and lord have mercy it's it's uh it's exciting and fearful sure so and maybe these laodicean like, christians we just that are worried just need to start living in light of what they say they believe <laughs> yeah exactly because <laughs> it sounds like yeah. that's why you're not worried mickey you're just living in light of what you believe <laughs> <laughs> i want to amen Man. we want to but we get, it's so easy mm-hmm. to be numb, sure. to numb down, to dumb down and to get in the flow. I remember telling another missionary, this has been some years ago. I said, I said, it's Friday night. It's our pizza night. I was confessing to him. I said, we have going to watch a movie tonight because we are in the city. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a pizza or buy a pizza. And I said, it's funny because I wasn't really wanting to pray. It was like four o'clock and I was talking to the Lord and I just felt like I didn't want to say lord is there anything else you want me to do because i want to watch a movie <laughs> and, eat pizza pizza. <laughs> and i was afraid he was gonna make me do something else <laughs> but 
I don't know. He's he's current. He's right here. He's real. But I, I guess what I was saying there is so easy to just really want to do our own thing and please mm. ourselves and our flesh. And we better look at eternity mm. and the judgment seat of Christ is a real thing. And all of eternity ruling and reigning with Christ, mm. you know, and then, you know, it goes on and on, mm. you know. Um, I'm not a real big on we can earn our rank down here, you know, for the millennium, but I'm, I'm afraid the Lord is, <laughs> I think he, I think he's, yeah, he has, he's big on it. Do you think, you know, do you think he's given us a chance? Uh, maybe any of us down here, Laodicean lazy Christians, maybe a wake up call, giving us one more chance to lay up some treasures in heaven. Oh my soul. You know it. <laughs> Anytime these things happen, we should be shaken, mm. you know, not fearful and anxiety, but we should be shaken. Now, now COVID has shaken me wake in up, that wake way. Wake up, church, wake up. Yes, yes, because I'm the kind of guy, I need to be woke up. Yeah, I get numb and in a routine and, you know, mm. yeah, I need to be, COVID has shaken me up. Mm. Same. You know. Well, Mickey, this has been great. I know I went too long here, but it's it's just a joy to talk to you every time. And any last things you want to say to anyone who's listening, just because yeah, and anything you say always ends up being gold, but <laughs> before we sign <laughs> off here. <laughs> I think, you know, we need patience. It's maturity. It's mm-hmm. we need to be patient with where we're at and just move forward, keep going. Mm-hmm. just keep heading toward the end mm-hmm. and realize, you know, there's a beginning and there's an end mm-hmm. and we have an appointed time to be finished here. Mm-hmm. And we just need to, to keep moving, keep moving keep forward. Keep pressing towards the mark. Yeah. Yeah. Don't turn. Amen. Don't oh. turn. Don't yield. Don't turn to left, to right. Just keep moving keep forward toward him, crying out to him. Mm-hmm. Race is almost over. Don't give up now, right? Like, it's, we're almost there. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Mickey, thank you so much, brother. This was super encouraging. I, I appreciate you. I love you. Praying for your ministry. Um, th- thanks again. Amen, bro. Thank you for, for having us on. The Lord's good. Man. Well, there you go. It, just another... Another episode with Mickey Kofer and, you know, I'm not, you guys know, I'm not trying to like talk Mickey up and, you know, because, you know, putting him on a pedestal or anything like that. But there, there are just some men of God that when, when they speak, there's just so much truth and so much grace and so much wisdom that you just got to sit and, and, and listen. And so I know that this went super long. I'm sorry about that, but I'm, I'm sure if you guys had heard the first episode with Mickey, I'm sure that you don't mind that it was long. Um, but man, just at the end there, what Mickey was saying about just believe what God says. Just choose to be all in and just choose to to live for the Lord. I, it's so profound, but so simple at the same time. So young people, if you're listening to this, we're almost at the end of the season. Next week is the season finale of Missionary Roundtable. If you're listening to this and you're, and you're thinking about serving the Lord with your life, but man, the world, there's a lot of temptations out there. The Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, you know, fame, fortune, the American dream. All of those things are temptations that could cause you to draw away from the Lord and seeking his will for your life and just doing what seems, what you think seems to be the best for your life. Can I just encourage you to look at the life of Mickey Kofer, a man who 
gave all that up and said, I'm going to, I'm going to be all about the Lord. I'm, I'm going to do this thing for real. I'm going to lay up for myself treasures in heaven and I'm going to do what he has called Christians to do. And he is telling you 20 years into being a missionary that it's worth it. It's worth all the hardships. It's worth everything, all the sacrifices. It's, it's worth it. He loves it. You could tell the joy in his, in his voice that he wasn't making it up. He wasn't trying to tell you that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't trying to pretend or, or feign any sort of spirituality. He genuinely meant that it's a joy to serve the Lord in this capacity. And, and I agree, it is. It, and it may be super hard, but but it's worth it, guys. So, man, could I just encourage you if you're listening? And it, it, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to move to another country. Maybe it is. I, I would love to see more people called by the Lord to be missionaries and trust the Lord with that, with their life. But whatever it is that God is asking you to do right now today to trust him, would you do that? Would you just make the decision? Like Mickey said, just decide I'm going to be all in. I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to give the Lord my whole life and I'm not going to seek my own pleasures, my own desires. I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to seek to obey him and the great commission and wherever that takes me in the world, whether that's just next door to my next door neighbor to reach them with the gospel or across the world to Mongolia, I'm going to obey the Lord with every step of my life. Then it really doesn't matter, guys, if if Jesus comes back tomorrow or in five years or whenever, because you're just going to be about your father's business until the day he comes back. And man, that, that was, I, I don't mean to ramble on after all that, because I think Mickey said everything there needs to be said, but it was just so encouraging to me. And I hope it was encouraging you, to you. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Missionary Roundtable. Make sure you tune back in next Wednesday for the season finale, the last episode of season two. Um, it's going to be a treat. I'm telling you right now, it's different than anything we've ever done on this show. Um, it's different than all the episodes that we've done in the past two seasons. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And I think it's going to be really encouraging for you. So make sure you come back same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.